welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and television shows. Uh, we've got our usual crew, we're all back, we have Adam and we've got Rhiannon. After a week off, how are you guys doing? Are you feeling nice and rested? No, not at all, man. I never rest. <laughs> I'm feeling good and rested. I, I thank, thank you guys for covering while I was gone. What's the song? Ain't no, ain't no rest for the wicked, right? Maybe... Maybe I'm more wicked than I thought. All right. Well, we've got uh, not as much news, but lots of review stuff with the new Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming out this week. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about news. Uh, first thing is film dates. So Venom got pushed back like a month, I think, or three months. I forget. No, it's three months. It got pushed back to September. Uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And so far, Black Widow is still in place. So, uh, are you guys feeling good that Black Widow is going to make it? Are you sad about Venom being pushed back? Any thoughts on the the, uh, release date shuffle? I think Marvel, you know, I mean, I I was saying the same thing a year ago, literally a year ago. Um, You know, I think Marvel's really looking for that first big weekend that people are comfortable going out to theaters. And hoping that black widow will be that and now that theaters are starting to open um i think they'll even be open in california by then they're open in california now they're open in california yeah um so you know like closer to 50 percent or whatever percentage it takes for them to get what they want to get out of black widow um i i think i'm hopeful that they're gonna stick with this date i'm devastated about venom that's the worst news i've gotten all week it's heartbroken um i guess is a word to to say about it i'm just devastated it's soul crushing it's it's horrible news man i I was i really thought that venom could carry the summer box office and now it's bumped to fall so we'll see um i it is interesting to see this Black Widow. So half of that was totally not sarcastic, by the way. I am bummed because I liked Venom, and Venom 2 would probably be good. Because Carnage, Woody Harrelson Carnage, come on. It's interesting to see Black Widow because there's at least one trade that almost has a Black Widow delay agenda of sorts because they keep pushing pieces that say that Black Widow needs to be delayed, um, which is just really interesting. I'm still not um, giving up on the idea of a, a premiere access release, though. Because, uh, I mean, I don't think it's going to be close to a normal box office, even if it does keep the May 7th date. So why not Why not do the, the premiere access? As we've seen with streaming movies now, um, particularly this Thursday, it certainly isn't um, a bad situation to release... Movies people want on streaming services, especially if you even charge a pay-per-view type fee. So ah, I'm not I'm not against that idea just quite yet. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting for like cinemas, but just generally commerce as a whole. Are people going to treat vaccines like a binary switch or is it going to be a gradual switch? In other words, like once people get vaccinated, are they like, oh, I'm good now and they go back out? Or is it going to be like, oh, I got to see what I feel comfortable with? Because I know there's some of us, and I think Rhiannon, you and I are both, I think, a little bit this way. Once we get that second shot and it's been two weeks after, 
you know, like, let's go out and lick the sidewalks, you know, like, let's have fun. Let's go do stuff. And so it's really a weird place where I would not go to a normal movie theater screening today. But 14 days after that second shot, I am totally there. And it will be just a abrupt switch for me, whereas know some people will not be that way. Yeah, so people are going to go to theaters, but the theaters, until we have enough vaccinations that, as a society, nobody needs to be cautious anymore, the theaters are still going to have limited capacities. And I th- I would be shocked if Disney didn't try to make up some of that money from the limited capacities by offering the premiere, you know, offering it through streaming and everything. Um, I I mean, I am two weeks past my vaccine, and I celebrated that by getting on a plane to Mexico. So, um, but it is, I mean, like, I, and I don't know. I mean, like, I don't feel like I'm the average person. I still took a bit of caution. Um because, well, I mean, I, I took caution because I was in Mexico and I didn't want to bring back some rare vaccine-resistant variant. Um, but I am seeing among my friends, I mean, you guys know a lot of my friends' group has been vaccinated because we're about to all go work in vaccination centers. Um, I have seen a switch flipping. Like, all right, let's go. Let's do this. Let's let's have at it. So um, hopefully things will get close to normal quickly but i think when it comes to theaters they're still going to be at a partial capacity until you know we reach whatever point that the virus isn't spreading throughout the community yeah i think the other thing with these release dates is people looked at it and they're like oh venom is in june and it's delaying oh what does that mean for black widow but i think the venom delay is more a i don't want to go up against fast and furious 9 delay than it's a covid delay mm-hmm. cuz you know the way these dominoes fall fast and furious 9 pushed to um either that week or the week before or something like that and i think uh the people at sony were like oh we're not going to go up against that like no and so i i don't see this venom delay being about the pandemic as much as it's about trying to get themselves a better spot in the box office. So uh, I think that changes everything a little bit too. Did I see somewhere that the uh, Avatar re-release is performing better now than Tenet? Yeah. Like Avatar's the best performing movie in China? The best Western movie in China since since the pandemic, yeah. Oh, so that's how they broke in game's record. Yeah. I'd say people want to poop on Avatar. It's huge, man. Internationally, people love those movies. So, uh, yeah, it pulled in, like, I think it's pulled in $70 million in the last two weekends or whatever in China, so. That's so crazy. Ten, what, 11 years after release? 12, 13? No, 2008, right? Or, or, well, December 09, but yeah. Whew. All right, uh, more Marvel-y news. So they did a uh, press event for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and in that event, they uh, had some little clips from other Disney Plus shows to sort of like cheerlead the people uh, who are involved in Falcon Winter Soldier. And out of that, we got two things. First of all, we got the first official Loki poster, which was then shared on social media as well. And we got... Uh, Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld uh, 
as themselves, supposedly on set. It was really just them in giant parkas being like, hey, we're going to be in Hawkeye, and yay. Uh, do you guys have any excitement over either the Loki poster or seeing uh, first video we've got of our two Hawkeyes? I mean, I enjoyed the Loki clip. Uh, it was cute. I mean, Tom Hiddleston leaning into being Tom Hiddleston is always funny to me. Um, I mean, the poster to me wasn't anything special. I don't know. Did you guys get anything out of that poster? No, I scoured it high and low for Easter eggs. No, but it, uh, yeah, I don't know what I expected. It's Loki and a clock. Um, probably not Marvel's best poster performance. I mean, the little, the little neck, the little neck, um, thing isn't a Deadpool crossover confirmed. It could be. I just chalked it up to like one of Loki's kinks or something. both very likely both very likely at this point disney has put in this it seems like it's pretty standard now that they do like a early character poster with a teaser and then they do like a later fuller poster with all the characters and stuff on it so the first wandavision one was just wanda and vision and that was it and then it was the later one that included darcy and woo and uh hayward and all that stuff so i assume we will get a much more interesting loki poster you know late may right once king's revealed as the big bad yeah something like that yeah all right uh this next one i don't know if we'll have we may have a lot or a little to say about this so illuminati it's more interesting to me from like the media perspective illuminati put out this story that they had seen uh, evidence that they were casting Adam Warlock for Guardians 3 and that they were looking for a Caucasian actor who was a, quote, Zac Efron type. And uh, everybody started to share it because, you know, Lerminerdy has an okay track record. And then James Gunn just went on Twitter and was like, no, this is all false. This is not true. Ignore this. And I kind of hated the story because all the people who just want to, like, be ridiculous... I mean, scoopers can be ridiculous. But they're like, oh, scoopers are all idiots and they never get anything right, people. Bug me too. And there was just this, like, outpouring of, yeah, this is why you can't ever trust scoopers. James Gunn just killed scoopers forever. Um, it's a little bit of an old story. And at this point, it happened, I don't know, 10 days ago. Do you guys have any more reflections on the fact that Gunn jumped in or whether or not, like, I'm never sharing a Guardian scoop if I have it, if I'm a scooper. Like, what what's your guys' thoughts on all this? Anytime there's drama on Twitter between scoopers, I'm 5,000% invested. I clear my <laughs> schedule to scroll Twitter nonstop, seeing what happens. The... the, the it's a blessing and a curse with James Gunn, right? He doesn't really lie. I don't think he's flat out ever lied um, about this stuff. So maybe Adam Warlock isn't in there at all. Marvel News Desk has um, obtained the the grid in question. Um, and I'm 99% sure it's fake. Um, because at the same time, there's other fake grids going around. Namely a Blade grid. Um, and that's the thing. I mean... Since the rise of rise of Scooper, um, it's going to be a documentary someday, probably. <laughs> since 
since they've become a thing, I mean, people intentionally mislead other scoopers and other scoopers mislead other scoopers. I mean, we know certain scoopers blatantly lie to other scoopers. There's just so much stuff. The the Warlock Grid's fake. Um, But what are you going to do? I mean, it raises quite... Naturally, it should raise questions about the mutants, um, you know, because that was just moments beforehand. It's always wise to be cautious with any of this, as long as it's not through a trade. Um, I would exercise caution, I guess. You know, I would be devastated if Adam Warlock isn't in Guardians Three. Um. But what are you gonna do? I lo- I saw someone like the screen right guys trying to pick a fight with Cheo Coker last night. Like, guys, what are you doing with Cheo? Yeah, over the Snyder cut, he tweeted. So he stopped watching it uh, at the uh, sea shanty part, um, and they tried picking picking a fight with Cheo. So you just reminded me. There's a sea shanty that makes me um, that makes me want to watch the Snyder Cut. Oh, go ahead. Um. It's a, it's about two hours in, a third of the way through the movie. Um, uh, and it's the, okay. full, it's the full song. Like, they, beginning to end, the, the full song is there. <laughs> well, if I watch four hours of Snyder Cut for a sea shanty, I want the whole sea shanty. It's there. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, it's... I Anyways. love fights on Twitter. It's just enjoyable. Rhiannon, do you have thoughts on this? I, you know, I mean, I, it it feels nostalgic to me of the days when far more of these people were on Twitter interacting with the news, with the rumors, with the fans. I mean, while on the surface it's James Gunn cutting down a scooper, uh, that that a scooper that you know, like I said, we kind of know the source of their information and. They have in the past gotten things right. Um, it, it also, I, 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 what I love about James Gunn is he does interact with others on the internet. Like he feels like one of us out there reading the headlines, um, being passionate about what he's passionate about, and it just sort of makes me st- nostalgic from the days when there were far more creators, writers. Um, showrunners that would regularly interact with their fans through Twitter. I mean, that was one of the things that made Twitter great back in the day of like you know, five, six years ago before people just, before they just got tired of everybody being awful. I was about to say before people became awful, people have always been awful before the, that community just sort of got tired of dealing with the awfulness. Um, well, and I'm sure a piece of that is before Disney and everybody started telling the actors, stop being on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, I think it's brave for James to be on Twitter at all, uh, mm-hmm. given what happened to him. So uh, he must really enjoy the Twitter. He must really enjoy that interaction um, and, and what comes from it. But... Um, I mean, as far as the scoop being right, being wrong, um, it's also just kind of nice. You know, we've gone through a year of just 
every speculation, rumor, whatever out there without any confirmation, no no denial, no confirmation, no nothing. It's just kind of refreshing for there to be some one of those thrown out that just gets batted away and no longer that rumor batted around. The cap stuff, Chris Evans returning, that was through a deadline, right? So maybe don't tr- even trust all the trades because... I'm not sure if you were going to hit on this at all, but Kev kind of dismissed that a little bit. But he did so in a way that it's like, I mean, maybe he pops up in Falcon and Winter Soldier, and he didn't want to say it or, or something, you know? I don't know. Yeah, and it's interesting. I'm not sure, even with the Warlock rumor, like one of the things that Gunn slapped down really hard, which I think he's right to, is that they don't cast for ethnicity for someone who's going to be an alien with like a painted skin color, basically, because that would be stupid. And so like, I appreciate him standing up for that, but there were different parts that he cut down more or less. And the part he cut down least was that Adam Warlock is going to be in guardians three. Like he has never said explicitly he's not in the movie. So it is, uh, it's interesting to try to read between the lines on that. It's also dumb. I found an article from December of 2019 about rumors going around that Zac Efron would be Adam Warlock. So it's not like this is a new rumor. Uh, it's, it's been going around for a while. I think the biggest thing I would say for our listeners and people who care and are on the internet and kind of want to know like who they trust and who they don't trust the one thing I can tell you that is categorically false is when people go, oh yeah, these scoopers, they just sit at home and make stuff up. Every scooper we have known in a variety of contexts, none of them make stuff up. They get past various information through various sources. And a lot of times, like you said, Adam, it's a, it's a casting grid. It's a document that has been prepared that says what roles they're casting to send out to like agents and stuff. And they receive that, and then they try to verify it, and they report it. Now, in this case, it was apparently a fake one. And you can decide for yourself, does that mean that Disney was doing it and Gunn is lying? Or does it mean that Disney was doing it and Gunn didn't know about it? Or does it mean that it was a fake grid that was created by Disney to make a scooper look stupid? Or does it mean that it was a fake grid made by somebody who's not Disney to make a scooper look stupid? Like, those are all options. But the idea that Illuminati just, like, sat in their basement and was like, oh, we're going to make something up just to screw with people. That's not fair. That's not, like, I've never, I'm sure that certain websites, like, we got this covered. Maybe that happens. But Illuminati, Charles Murphy, those kinds of folks, to the best I can tell, people like Disney Insider or uh rich um oh, i'm losing names here uh but you know like there's a lot of those scooper people none of them when whenever we've had contact with some of those and we haven't had contact with all of them none of them are making crap up they're not lying they're just sharing information that got shared to them and the question is how valid what got shared with them is and i think there's also the side of it of they definitely have different levels of holding on to that information, validating that information, double checking that information before reporting it. You know, like we know that Charles Murphy over at Murphy's Multiverse, he he never, you know, if he hears a rumor of whatever, he never runs it before 
hearing it from at least one other source or checking with others. Like he has multiple sources that he check as, checks the stuff from. Whereas some, you know, it appears that some sites, you know, as soon as they hear a hint of anything, they're reporting it. Um, it doesn't mean that they didn't all hear it or that, you know, like they, that, that, that was not a legitimate thing, but, uh, that's where I think the quality of scoopage comes from. Adam, do you have any scoops you want to share? I have so much. That's funny. I have so much, but <laughs> alas, maybe some other day. It's, I mean, it's, but it's interesting though. I mean, anytime you see like casting stuff in a trade or something that is coordinated with the studio and outlets do have certain stuff, um, that they just can't do because the studio says no. Um, looking at Falcon and Winter Soldier, even as the shows go on, I mean, more and more people are getting access through this. That's why, you know, the day of set visits and and actual physical junkets and stuff, you know, they might be limited because you're, everything's through Zoom now and we're seeing microscopic sites getting access. We're seeing, I mean, like the Direct got interviews and Comic Book Movie is getting interviews. And there's, uh, who else? I shouldn't say microscopic per se, but I mean, I was about to say microscopic. Where, where's our interview? With well, I said, all we, we'll see, all we need to do is hit up Disney and say we have a scoop. And say, I was about well, to say, we tried so hard. We tried so hard for that access. Um, by not even using the email addresses that we had. On I know. Hand. That's what we should, we should at least try. <laughs> Just, <laughs> we should attempt for access somehow. But we haven't even bothered. Um, but I mean, they're giving—they are giving access out like hotcakes, at least to the director and writer. And for good reason. I mean, sure, Mackie and Stan are exhausted, but oftentimes the crew's just so happy to talk to people. Um, so that's—I don't even know where I was going. I totally lost my train of thought. But yeah, I mean, the the virtual press tours are, are amazing because, and that encapsulates everyone you have the um people loyal to the scoopers in the marvel studios spoilers hashtag that hate the big sites and call um the big sites clickbait so if you cover that audience as well you cover the the masses with the big websites and then you cover the little passionate radicalized fandom with with scoopers with by giving them access i mean charles got interviews too i think i just uh i just love how in the last five minutes adam has done like some real low-key flexes about his employer like you know the big awesome guys like us and all these i mean that's that that's objectively <laughs> true i mean comparing like the direct comicbook.com all right give me a break like let's i'm just let's teasing just you say, man. i mean I've seen the numbers, so you gotta flex yeah, the word yeah. you got it, man. I mean, that's right. Eat dirt <laughs> variety, come on. Um. So we also uh, last. I'll put these things all together. A couple little other stuff that's in the news this week. Um, one of the creators of Blade said that he was really excited that he's going to get to see Blade in a movie next year. 
again, it's kind of hard to tell what people know or don't know, but that seems to be another little piece of evidence that we are going to see Blade October of next year. Uh, I think we'll know more about that pretty soon if we start getting um, some more news on casting and stuff like that. Uh, also, uh, in casting, Kingsley Ben-Adir has been uh, cast in Secret Invasion. We're not sure who yet. It is the villain. Some people are saying Super Scroll might be a possibility, but uh, we don't know. And it looks like, from a, again, from a casting grid, that Moon Knight is casting maybe Spectre's parents. But, um, again, I've got, I mean, it appears that there are fake casting things going around, so I'm, I'm a little suspicious of any of that. Any thought on those little things, guys, before we move on? They're starting the next slate of shows real soon, right? Like, maybe already have started some of them. So it makes sense. I mean, the yeah. timing's right. We know castings happen well someone could get a phone call today or tomorrow and they have to start shooting Monday, you know, in the, in the world of Marvel stuff goes that fast. So, well, and it's also become clear that we would like to think it's a nice linear path to like, Oh, someone is cast and then they prepare for the role and then they show up on set and then they film. But the reality is sometimes we learn about a casting months after it's happened and somebody has already done all their workouts and they're already two days into filming before it leaks out to the media somehow so all right let's talk about falcon and winter soldier so we have our second disney plus show and uh i guess first of all how did you guys enjoy it particularly compared to your expectations loved it loved it loved it loved it loved it I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, I it was very enjoyable. It's had me... Um, I'm trying to still keep my expectations low. I'm trying to, like, not get too excited for what could be, but I, I enjoyed the ride for this one episode. I was super pleasantly surprised by it, as far as... Uh, I don't know, I haven't been down on it. I just... To me, I think we had talked about, for us as a show, there's kind of a sense that this might be just a very average thing. Like, I think we've called it, like, the Mar- the MCU, like, Fast and Furious movie. Like, eh, big action, lots of jokes, yuck, yuck, yuck. But, like, we didn't expect it to be particularly weird or unusual or different. And I was just really impressed at how into it I was. And... I like Falcon and Winter Soldier as characters so much more after this 45 minutes than I did before this 45 minutes. I just felt like the amount of time they're able to spend fleshing out the people behind these characters is really exciting, particularly for two characters that we've seen five minutes at a time for a decade now. It's, you know, it's, it's television. I know Caleb tweeted some about it this week, you know, it's, it's TV, but the one thing that's kind of making me, um, at least I'm not sure, worried, but thinking, I mean, the more television shows they do, the bigger the casts for the movies are going to be. Like, you look at something like Doctor Strange 2, but everything's going to have such a big cast, and it's going to be such a massive movie because they know that they can spin anyone off into a television show and give them the right character development or the right story arcs i'm not saying that's necessarily the best thing for movies you know if you're looking for good character driven features or something um 
Are we going to get a Wong all along series? <laughs> it's possible. That's totally possible. But that that opening sequence, setting the tone like that, it was just nuts. I mean, most virtually all of it was CGI, um, but it was still amazing. Even the hand-to-hand stuff looked great. I mean, that is, I think I'm safe saying, with all due respect to all the Marvel TV stuff, that's easily the best VFX scene in the history of Marvel television, like, without a doubt, above anything else we've seen anywhere else. So you you think it's, I mean, compared to, like, the Wanda finale fights, when it comes to the VXF, VFX and everything? Yeah, I, I thought it was a lot better. I don't know. How do you feel, Adam? I, yeah, I would probably say, I mean, it's up there. I mean, between the the actual fighting and, and the visual effects and stuff, it's it's interesting, though, because you, the Wanda stuff, we know there's not magical powers. You know, people aren't shooting stuff out of their foreheads or casting hexes around a town um, or flying on their own accord. But with, like, the Falcon, I mean, I think it's easier to see someone in the military has a jetpack. Because they probably do, you know, that type of situation. Uh, so I think it's more realistic on that front. Uh, I mean, I thought it looked great. I think they both look great. I probably would prefer the Falcon one better. Just he was zooming in and out of helicopter holes. I'm like, how unrealistic maybe that is. Or um... What I loved about it, though, like WandaVision is a lot of green screen and compositing going on. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the backgrounds are totally made up. Like, even... Even, uh, like, the trick-or-treating scenes, we find out, were, like, somewhat, like, created digitally or artificially. But the cool thing about this fight scene is it seemed pretty clear to me, I could be wrong, there's drone footage, which is actual real footage to help make some of that. But then they also had guys that went skydiving with, like, GoPros and stuff. Like, some of that up-close shot is actually people falling from the sky in glider suits. And so I just think it's those little real elements that when you cut it with the more like traditional CGI elements just makes it visceral and feel more authentic. It, uh, I mean, it set the mood and then it totally falls off for the next 40 minutes <laughs> and there's nothing that's so much as a, a sprint or a jog to be found. Um, but yeah, it was a hell of a way to start. I don't even know how to say his name. I only type it bat, batrock, batrock, batrock. Batrock, the Leaper. The Leaper, I mean, I didn't see him appearing there whatsoever. Then he pops up. That's what makes the MCU great. I mean, that and the cameo later on, which is the best cameo they've done. So, I mean, I think that is a good point, though, as far as the uh, congruency with the rest of the episode. Like, I've gone back and rewatched parts, but I totally skipped that because I just, like, the flying fights make me anxious. Um and I forget it even happened. Like, it was just a nice little welcome to Marvel, we've got action right. thing that I feel like I could completely skip. And other than getting to know uh, Torres through some of that little part of the show and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. It was just kind of like, hey, remember who we are and what we do. I do feel like uh, maybe we're beating a dead horse here, but the, the WandaVision Falcon switcheroo is so interesting now because that scene to me was like, wow, this is really big time action compared to WandaVision that started with a sitcom episode that was all done with 1950s technology. 
but they were always intended to be the opposite way. So that that air battle was meant to be the giant splash. Like this is the first Marvel TV, Marvel Studios TV stuff you're seeing. Wow, look at what we can do. And it just, I mean, I would shudder to think it's got to be $10, 20000000 million that they shoved into this, like, making that first 10 minutes of this show because they wanted it to be their giant splash, like, hey, this is what Marvel Studios TV is going to look like. And it's interesting to me now that it's, it, it just doesn't have the place of prominence it was going to have if the release schedule had gone like they had planned. I do want to throw in my favorite part of that fight was when he could pull the wing in front of him and it becomes like a shield, like a bulletproof. Yes. Like, yeah. that, that that was one little aspect of what I'm watching the fight where I'm like, okay, that's really cool. That was, you know, like... He does a little bit of that in Civil War in the Lago scene. Mm-hmm. There's a part where he, like, puts it behind him and, like, they're shooting at him and the bullets are bouncing off the back of the wings while he's doing his uh... red wing stuff. Uh... And the fight showed us how dark it was. And that's the thing. Radi- like, radiance, it all has to do with blood. Because they specifically pulled in on that pilot when he was shot like six times as his body convulsed. I'm like, Jesus, this is kind of, you know, this is kind of violent a little bit. And there was no blood to be found, obviously. But if they did blood splatters, you know, obviously that rating would be uh, much, much more serious than it is. But I mean... That's the thing. I mean, we're getting. What's interesting is Agents of Shield went out of their way to what do they call the bullets? The freezer bullets or the frosting bullets? Oh or... yeah, yeah, the the night night guns. Yeah, so I mean, they went out of the way to explain that. So throughout the whole entire series, every time they fire something, we're like, oh, they're not killing anyone. They're the icers. putting them to sleep and they'll wake up later or something. But here, everyone's shooting. Yeah, like good old american bullets <laughs> yeah. american guns you know and it, everyone's like dying how many people died in those helicopter explosions you know it's just it was a dark start and it's interesting because from a character perspective bucky is having nightmares about the night that he killed six or seven dudes at a hotel sam just like straight up killed 15 guys in that airplane and he's yeah. just like, all right, let's go down and eat some shrimp down at the bayou. You know, like he's just like not right. affected by it. And I find that fascinating. But I think I think we are going to get into some of the psychological differences in that. And that Sam did that, not some alter ego of Sam that was right. being manipulated by others. Um, so, I mean, I think there is going to be a clear difference between that and might be interesting as to why they they end up being buddies if not friends or you know whatever they're going to end up being um i mean i'll just ask this now what did you guys think about the fact that bucky and sam are never together in this episode i think this is where everybody started comparing it to the defenders and by everybody maybe like the three people i would talk to but um yeah it was very defendersy like we're gonna set up these two people in their own very separate lives um, though it was really interesting, the little things that they had connecting their two lives, um, that, that, that sort of, you know, they're very different yet very some you know, just, I don't know, the battleship and then the boat, like that was just like a funny little tie in. Um, and they're both completely, dis- completely dismissive of the women that are talking to them. Um, 
which I'm probably the only one that latched on to. But if I don't say anything about it, I will feel remiss. Um, between Bucky being dismissive of his psychologist, or not, not even dismissive, but you know, just constantly telling her how bad she is at her job, and then Sam coming in and completely dismissing his sister. There was, like, a little uh, quality to that that seemed to me to be somewhat intentional, and I hope it has some play out later in the season. It probably won't. I'm not getting my hope up for anything being played out later in the season on anything. Right, and that's... That was probably my major, my biggest criticism is this is very much a platform episode that just sets up so many things. You know, at least they're doing it here as compared to like episode three or four, whereas there's two episodes left. So at least we get the whole season. I'd say the whole season. It's already a sixth of the way over. But um, to, wrap, to wrap things up, the the therapist scene... I love how they shot that because it was instantly uncomfortable and disjointed and weird and it set the tone. That Bucky flashback, you could put that in any episode of Daredevil and you won't notice a difference. It looks straight, ripped straight from Daredevil. Um, At least in my humble opinion, I'm not the Daredevil expert here, but I think it looked very Daredevil-esque. I mean, it looked very much Netflix. I mean, the Netflix Defenders verse, you know, that 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 type of fight. Um, it reminds me more of like some of the like that it, sort of like an Iron Fist fight um, or or one Daredevil. True, because he does have one hand that punches harder than the other. True. And then the comics, they're supposed to light on fire, but they really don't. So yeah. I don't know. Uh I see where you're. I smell no, what you're no. I mean, yeah, there. I mean, it has that nice mystical, grounded fight feel to it. Yeah, I, I can't go back and rewatch that fight though because it ends so gut wrenching. I, I just can't watch the end of it, and I keep missing the scene where Bucky wakes up on the floor um, because I can't watch the end of the Bucky fight, the Winter Soldier fight. I really enjoyed the therapist too, Adam. It reminded me of uh, Bob Newhart had a great skit years ago, and it. It was uh, a therapist. He plays a therapist. And when people come in and tell him his problems, Bob Newhart just says, stop it. And they're like, but I'm really struggling with this problem. I'm compulsively doing these things. And he just screams, stop it at them over and over and over again. And I was like, oh, this is, (laughs) I liked that. Like at one point where he was like feeding her a total line of bologna. And she's like, that's crap. I know it's crap. You know, it's crap enough. Uh, It was, it was just very enjoyable. It's also interesting we know he's pardoned, um, which opens up a whole other box of questions and concerns about who... Is he pardoned, or is he fulfilling conditions to be pardoned? Because pardoned isn't like parole. Like, she's treating it like he's on parole. Like, you have to do these things or you're going to jail. So... Is he pardoned or is he fulfilling conditions to be pardoned? It seems messed up that the American government or whoever the world party or the global Illuminati would make him apologize to the family of those he's killed or make amends or something. Isn't that like torturous almost? Yeah, yeah. Like you have to go and you have to admit that you are this killer 
you know, like, this person's going to want to shake your hand and, like, forgive you for... I, I it, it does seem cruel. I was, I was, I was disappointed. I found that twist, if you want to call it the twist, with the uh, elderly man. I found that way too predictable. And I was kind of upset that it was, unless maybe it wasn't as predictable. I thought we were supposed to know. Oh, maybe we were. I didn't supposed see to it know. as a twist. See, I thought I was trying to do the math. Like, is it possible that this is a guy he knew from World War Two? Like, is that guy old enough? To have been his friend back in the day, but that's not the way they went. Why not both? That's true. I just think the timing is rough, because this is taking place in 2023 Marvel time. Yeah. So anyone who would have been even 20 years old in 1946 would be significantly old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I assume there was somewhat of a war connection, possibly, but from the beginning, I mean, we have Winter Soldier killing an Asian guy, and then we have Bucky doing atonements, and then we have him hanging out with an older Asian man who lost his son. Like, that all, that, to me, that seemed like it was just spelled out very clearly, but evidently How not. How many uh, YouTube channels have done breakdown videos on Bucky's list? Uh, I know Screen Crush and his Easter egg video. He went through the list. It's interesting. There are some, there's a few like references in there. Some of them are to like actors that Sebastian Stan has worked with, but some of them are very minor MCU characters. I think there's a like agent agents of shield season one reference in there. Like a Kaminsky is like, yeah, (laughs) I noticed there was like a Hydra agent and then Zemo, but everyone else was. Oh, so Zemo was yeah. on the list? Yeah. Zemo. Which... Oh, I... I, I what, what did Bucky do to Zemo? That's what I don't get. Yeah, I don't get... I don't know. Uh, I mean, didn't Bucky have something to do with Sokovia? No, he's still on no. the lamb. No. Bucky wasn't around for Sokovia. Hmm. Maybe he just wants to kick Zemo's ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, and then, and then say the say the little thing at the end, you know, to like excuse why he did it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like because of you, I had to fight some people I don't want to fight. So I'm putting you on this list. Where? Because I'm tired of apologizing. Where do we stand with the uh, words and stuff? Are the trigger words or whatever still like valid? I feel like Wakanda cured him. Is what we're supposed to think. I think, yeah. We're supposed to think Wakanda cured him. I want to talk a little bit about Sam and the storyline there with his family and the boat. One of the things I loved about this episode is I felt like there was a lot of discussion about like things like race relations. Like We expected there to be a more political and sociological edge based on the Nick Spencer run on Captain America. I love that that whole scene, though, with the bank and their business, they talked about the realities and the difficulties for African-Americans in this country in dealing with things like banks, but never in an, but not in an explicit way. Like, it would have so ruined it if, as they were walking out, his sister would be like, well, we didn't get that because we're black and white people don't give money to black people and racism is bad. 
Like, that's clearly what's going on, and it's clearly true, but I loved that they told that story in an authentic way that didn't have to, like, explain it in the way you'd explain it to a first grader in the dialogue. Does that does that make sense? Does that feel true to you guys? I don't know. All of that, it, it, it was very hard to watch, but it did seem authentic. Um, right. You know. I don't feel like I'm one that can speak about the authenticity of it. Right. Did you notice how, like, the reviews were saying, like, this stuff is what makes it feel like Marvel television, when in fact it's just the fact that it's long-form storytelling that makes it feel like Marvel television? I just noticed that it was... I'm not sure if there were slams. I always assume every time someone brings Marvel television up it's a slam but maybe I'm being too defensive I mean I think we're going to see a lot more comparisons to Marvel television as it goes forward I didn't read a ton of the reviews um I think this episode a lot of people felt went a little felt a little maybe slow or all of that where they were dragging out and going into all these emotions but that what's that's what makes television different than movies so, um, you know, I think there's going to be a little adjustment of people. I mean, with WandaVision, it was completely different because they had this like whole theme, this whole thematic wave going through everything. But as Caleb was pointing out, like this, is, this was supposed to be the first TV show. And I think, um, you know, there's going to be compar- more Marvel TV comparisons as we go through because this is, this appears to be paced more like a TV show. Um, and, and and it was bumpy. I mean, it you know, it, it first episodes suck. I mean, I I when I go back and watch so many TV shows that I ended up loving, the first episode is always bad. Like There's so many shows where I'm like, how in the world did I ever watch more than three episodes of this? This starts off so uneven and clunky and and off. Um, Which, I mean, obviously, when you only have six episodes, you can't go through too much of that. But it was a little bit off in in things. But, But I think they made up for it with it being really interesting and really real while still having some action and maybe setting up setting up an enemy can we talk about this like enemy that they're setting up that that marks their positions with a hand yeah so flag smashers yes yes are they the hand no could be man i don't don't know that they could be (laughs) how the falcon and the winter soldier sets up daredevil that's right? another place, though, where I felt like, what I was trying to say a minute ago, like, I felt like they did a really got, a good job of showing but not telling. Because I think what they're setting up is a real discussion about sort of nationalism versus globalism. And, like, this, these flag smashers sort of say, hey, we were a lot less insular and, and nationalistic during the blip. And now... Now we're going back to the old ways and America is literally going back to the old ways because they're putting in, you know, their Captain America that's probably going to be a very jingoistic, nationalistic hero that just does the things that they want. 
And so I think that's a very fascinating conversation right now of how much do we care for ourselves versus how much do we care for the world and how closed or open are our borders. There's immigration stuff coming. Like, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Torres, when he was talking about they want to get rid of borders, there was a very sly line that if you know the character in the comics makes a ton of sense where he sort of says something like, maybe it would be nice if we had less borders. And... I just think all of it, like they're getting into, because people sort of question, is Disney really going to go where the comics went as far as talking that much about race and immigration with, with Sam? I think they are. I just think they're doing it in a in a very complex way instead of a preachy way. And I, I, I think that's interesting. But I think that's where we're going with Flag Smashers is if, if there's terrorists that believe in globalism and then the superhero that's really nationalistic, which one do you side with? Or do you not like them both? Or how does Sam, you know, navigate between the two of them, I think is really interesting. So we got U.S. agent at the end. I thought that's where you're going to go with the villains, Rhiannon. Uh, I mean, he just looks, I feel like the way they designed the chin strap. Right? Like, there's just something about it. Like, you just see that face and you want to punch him. I don't know how they did that so well. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they did the casting of, let's find a face that looks as far from Chris Evans in this as possible. Though, looking at it this morning, Sebastian Stam's face would look exactly the same in that mask. True. He has the same chin shape. Um... But yes, that man definitely has a face that is meant for a mask on the lower half. And a cliffhanger. Of course. I mean, we, we know. I mean, you might as well fast forward to the end and, and get the cliffhanger out of the way. Um, I, don't, I have thoughts on, on what they're doing with him. And it's probably going to mirror the story of Bucky. Um, even though I'll hate that. But I'm pretty sure that's maybe what they'll do, kind of. About how some higher group, Hydra 2.0 or something, engineered him. Like, who's this guy at the podium? Because he was at the presentation or the Smithsonian. I don't yeah, I don't trust that guy one damn bit. Did we ever get a name or anything? I'm just fearful that it's, uh, it's, it's Hayward 2.0. It's like Hayward's brother. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle. Or whatever the hell his name is. Um... We never talked the uh, Rhodey cameo, man. And that's what makes the MCU. That was perfectly organic. That's what the cameos should be. It made total sense. It didn't take you out of the damn thing. It just was it. He didn't walk through like the mist in like a big climactic scene. It was just like, oh no, he's at a military event. Of course, Rhodey would be there. It was, yeah, it didn't take you out and it gave him a, a chance to shine, but... U.S. agents grow. They didn't call him U.S. agent, though. He is going by Captain America, which bumps up the gross factor even more, I think. Um, Rian, I want to return. You talked about the Flag Smashers. Who's who's the big burly guy with Flag Smashers? Is he just like a random guy who's been given Super Soldier Serum? Or is this somebody we know? Or it seemed like there was a line where like Torres and Falcon maybe had a guess as to who it was. If, according to Reddit, it's Omega Red. Um, so oh, okay. there's that. <laughs> I mean that's uh, yeah I mean, that's an actual theory or, or something. Um, we've seen um, we've seen the the Desmond I don't know how to say his last name Cham Chime, um, and set photos with 
Aaron Kellyman and George's St. Pierre. So we know they link up somehow. So the people at the beginning were either part of the Flag Smashers or adjacent to them somehow, I guess. Is that right? Or did Batrock's group just get blown to smithereens so he joins the Flag Smashers? I, I didn't get the sense they were connected, but maybe. Uh, is the LAF, like, a, a thing in the comics? I don't even know. I don't think so. I think the uh, the uh, the Jeff Loeb-Rob Liefeld world party, I think that's coming in at some point. If you guys have read Jeff Loeb and Rob Liefeld's Captain America, it's a treat. Isn't that the one where Captain America's chest is, like, six people broad? I think so. That- that like famous picture Cappy did. That's I'm not sure if that ever makes it in or not, or if that's just like key art or something. I can't remember. I'll admit the second. I thought it was a cover. The the second half of that series I completely skimmed through and actually didn't read because I couldn't. But uh, yeah, I think it's the World Party maybe, which is Hydra Light because it's Red School, School Red Skull, but I don't know. Could you imagine if Red Skull popped back up in Falcon and Winter Soldier? That'd be dope. Yeah, I was. Somebody online was saying that he'd have to be real petty to have like seen all the things he's seen and like seen the cosmic power that's available to him. And he's like, "Well, the cosmos is great, but I just really loved being a Nazi." You know, like what <laughs> kind of a weirdo would that be? <laughs> Never know, man. There. <laughs> That this world has Thanos sympathizers, Thanos sympathizers, that are like, no, no, it was better when half the people were gone, like, and still willing to say it when those half people come back. That that I think uh, I missed that. Where are the Thanos sympathizers in this episode? They did, yeah. I they were i can't remember what but they said that the people did enjoy when everyone else was gone i mean i say i hate people but even i was like "Mm, i don't know about that i mean i think that's one of those inside voice outside voice things too like you know maybe you enjoy when they were gone but once they're back shut your mouth right Right. Um, because you know they were like they were like people that were like planning a divorce and then their spouse blipped and they were just like Oh, man, that's a lot easier than what I was planning. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Oh. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I just sort of took that as being someone that there were Thanos sympathizers out there. Maybe I looked into it way too much, but I thought it was part of, like, what... I'm going to have to rewatch it. I think you'll watch it, right? Part of... Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So we should talk about... When he was, like, talking to the guy in the Humvee during the big open action scene in the beginning, and he kept calling him Torres, I was like, oh, there's no way that we're going Joaquin Torres already, right? And then, like, when when the credits rolled, I paused it to make sure that I could see the name of the character, and I'm just excited. I just think it's so fun. I think it is cool. I mean... Joaquin Torres in the comics, if people don't know, is the new Falcon that was introduced three or four years ago. He's been in Champion some, but a very new character, um, a character again that's very politically connected because, as I remember in the comics, he's an, uh, an undocumented immigrant. Um, 
and so I just was really, I don't know. I, I was ecstatic that that character was there and I was kind of shocked that he was as prominent as he is and nobody's talked about it until now. Right. Right. It, yeah. It clicked. It didn't click until I didn't even pick up. He said Torres at the beginning, but I saw the name on the phone it naturally you pause when you see a phone screen, right? And then it said Torres on the phone. I'm like, hmm. I actually have a friend whose last name is Torres. So that was like the only spoiler I had was her being like, oh my God, my people in the movie or in the show. In that show, I mean, we talk about the how big the movies are getting, but I mean, Joaquin Torres is a superhero and then there's still rumors we're getting Patriot. You know, and then Zemo and Agent 13 and U.S. Agent. I mean, the shows are just as big as the movies in a sense. I mean, but I feel like a TV show has room to be big. You know, over six hours, you can have multiple characters and they can have some personality and backstory and all of that versus being just like a cameo um, or somebody that pops in with no depth. And this episode was twice the length as the WandaVision premiere right like even after credits it was still 40 plus minutes yeah and it's what i love is the mixing and matching that's available now like if you get all these characters introduced in these shows then when you go to a movie you can throw a very random group of them together or you have like all these different tools to fit somebody in just at the right moment in the right context you know because you have that available to you earlier adam you were talking about the tv shows and the movies and how to me, we're at a point now where the TV shows are like ongoing series are in comic books and the movies are like the special event books, you know, like uh, movies now are like what Civil War or War of the Realms would be in the comic books. But the TV shows are the ongoing for the characters where you get the more depth and the more personal stuff. And I think it's fun because Marvel's got a model there that they can borrow from on how to use people and how to apply them in. Right, right, right. I, we've talked about it on here before. It's The MCU is totally its own. By now, it's totally its own comic universe. It's just so massive and they can go any which way. They're giving us a Moon Knight series, man. You know, that's it's nuts. And it's so big and I'm surprised they haven't gone off the rails yet. Just with how how much size it is. With comics, at least, you just draw the person. You create the characters and the artist brings it to life. But now you have to coordinate with talent and a manager and an agent and all that type of stuff. But they're doing it, man. And it's event programming after event after event after event. And part of that that I was thinking about this morning is like our timeline is all over the place. You know, we had Spider-Man Far From Home last year that was, you know, six months after the blip. Um, yeah, we have one division that was three weeks after the blip. This, we're thinking six months after the blip. Um, yeah, our timeline is, it's no longer like that time is moving linearly during these shows and that we're going through. And then we're going to go back to Black Widow, which is a prequel. Um that that makes it harder to feel like it's all one big thing coming together because it's all of these other things that are happening out of a linear time frame. And maybe they'll come together. I mean, maybe, you know, we've got time travel and all of this. You know, maybe it does all come together 
um, you know, with some little time hopping or something, or just, you know, a year after all of it, it leads up to something. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. It, it, it feels less congruent and the difference in time periods adds to that. That's a good point about Black Widow being a prequel because Eternals is probably a prequel as well. And there's been speculation Shang-Chi set during the five years. So we could go this entire Ooh. year and only still be six months past Endgame. Well, eight months with Far From Home, right? And then uh, No Way Home would then build on that. We could go throughout most of the year and just progress six months, which is crazy. Rhiannon, I know you had lots of thoughts uh, that you mentioned. What, what else have we not hit that we should talk about before we wrap up? Um, uh, so I think I completely forgot to talk about this when we were back talking about the bank situation. But are we going to talk about the Avengers not getting paid or they're not being like a hero's fund? So this came up actually after WandaVision. There's an article in The Ringer that was um, just sort of hilariously about her, her driving an, a red Buick. You know, like, did Wanda, this is three weeks after the blip, did Wanda go out and buy a Buick? Is a Buick all that an Avenger can afford? Or is that like a rental from Stark? Is it, you know, are, are there company cars that they can grab? It, you know, and I feel like this built on it a little bit more that Sam, you know, didn't really get any money for being an Avenger. You know, that 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 it's just sort of, I and I have gone off on so many thoughts. I posted this on Twitter yesterday, like, are there Comic-Cons in this universe? You know, are, will Sam Wilson be setting up a booth selling $80 photos with him so that he can pay for this family boat? Like, I, 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 I this is the type of real life thing that I feel um, I look forward to being covered in television shows. You know, some of the real life struggles of Avengers. So it's a real minor point. Did you understand Sam's sister... To say that Sam doesn't have the money to help bail them out or that she doesn't want to accept the money to bail them out? I took it when she was saying it as she didn't want to accept the money to bail them out. But then with the banker, I it felt more like he doesn't have the money. Right. Because I the mean, banker, well, unless the banker is just being completely unfair with them. If Sam's got a good steady income, that should serve to allow them to get the loan. But he mentioned that he did have defense contracts, right? Yeah, yeah. He mentioned that he had contracts, but I guess, like, there was no money in hand or I I, I guess, like, and and this too, like, you're not going to loan to people that have no income for the past five years when you know this person blipped. Right. So, like, half of the world is treated as though they were just unemployed for the past five years when they literally didn't exist? I I totally believe this, however, because I remember when our oldest daughter was born, we were trying to get our insurance to cover, like, her birth and, like, her costs at birth. And they were like, oh, no, we can't cover anybody that doesn't have a social security number. And I was like, well, she has one now. And they're like, oh, yeah, but she didn't when she had the services. And I was like, was she supposed to come out of the womb, like, waving a social security card? Of course. This is true of every baby that's ever born. And the insurance lady was like, I'm sorry, that's the way the system works. So, yes, the real world is that stupid. Jeez Louise. 
Again, Thanos sympathizers. I mean... Yeah, we just radicalize ourselves. I... That's nuts. Yeah, I mean, so... I mean, I think they're getting into some of those ramifications and all that. I mean, I, 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 I've heard some people hoping that, like, when we get to She-Hulk, she's dealing with some of the legal ramifications, which I'm sure are a complete mess. Um, but that, uh, yeah, just the financial situation of Avengers. <laughs> Is there no like? I, I mean government i mean they were shield agents at some point sort of they were started by shield um we get the sense roadie still gets a military check like he still is just like part of the air force yeah yeah um so i don't know i mean like i i'm i'm sort of enjoying that but also sort of baffled by it and like you like you yeah and it's not adding up like so Sam has defense contracts, but he also doesn't have money for the bank to loan him. But he also, you know, talked about being able to bail his sister out. I don't entirely understand what all the packed food in the back of the truck was going for. Were they, like, feeding the bank or did they have a catering contract later that they were going to feed room temperature food? I think there was a... (laughs) Wasn't there a, a comment back at the boat about something about a food pantry or helping out with, like, a... Oh, okay. I may have missed the food pantry part of it because I, I want to say I that it's know. like charity stuff they're doing, but still, food safety, you guys. Like, just anyways. Well, um, I don't know what time of year it was though. It gets so hot down there. It's might, might as well put it in an right. oven. Right. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Because they are. I did look it up. Like the town that that because they had said the exact town, and I wanted to know if it was real or not. So it really is just like. A town down in Jefferson Parish, south of New Orleans, like as far south as you can go and not be in the water. Um, yeah, so hot. At least not during a hurricane. During a hurricane, you are under the water, but when right. there's not a hurricane, you're not. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 as far as you, it, it, it's a fascinating area down in the parish. It's not Jefferson Parish. It's the parish uh, down there. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the episode where... Um, where Sam takes Bucky to Bourbon Street and they try to figure out exactly how much alcohol he can consume before getting, like, a buzz. Because, you know, they they did show he has, like, the super soldier, like, unable to get drunk thing going on, so... I really enjoyed his date. Like, this is where... What I love about Marvel is they treat their characters like humans, but they also take seriously their premise. And so when you take seriously that this is a 106-year-old man who's been frozen and unthawed a bunch of times... And then put him on a date with a millennial. That's a yeah. fascinating scene, right? Like, they just... I love that they take seriously their premises that way. And I really feel like a 106-year-old man would enjoy Brooklyn of 2020. Um, <laughs> 2023 or whatever. You know, because there is enough, like, latching on to those older things. Yeah. Like, um, P-Knuckle. Why not? Why not play P-Knuckle? P-Knuckle sounds fun. Yeah. I looked that up. It's a card game. Yep. Evidently. (laughs) All right, cool. You guys want to hit the mailbag real quick? Yes. Uh, So Michael T. Ford's been with us the whole time. Thanks for being with us, Michael. A lot of stuff we talked about. Um, He reminded us the the bullets you're talking about, Adam, are icer bullets. Icers. There you Um, go. Frost, close enough. 
So, and he was thinking that the amends were not so much like a condition for him that he had to fulfill as much as something he should be doing as part of his therapy. He was saying, we were talk- I was talking about the scene with Bucky and his sister and how they sort of dealt with the racial issues. He would have been fine if they said it directly because of the context. And, okay, good question for us. Do you guys think Taurus is going to get a Falcon suit by the end of this season? Yeah, whenever uh, Sam picks up the shield. See, in the comics, he's genetically engineered. Oh, yeah, I don't think they'll and so, go that Oh, way. that'd be so cool, though. Like like real bird wings on Taurus. I'm, I'm, I'm all you're here for that. Just like Torres and Sam's backpack fall in a vat of acid. <laughs> combines them i don't know but i mean if sam has the backpack it makes sense like torres you know searching all these flake smashers out that he would be like hey sam give me one of the extra backpacks so i'm gonna float something this is not a spoiler this is a random guess that is based on a little bit of rumor i've heard torres getting actual wings though if Maybe he's an inhuman, and by the end of the show, there's going to be a Terrigen mist that sets you off. You don't wave of new believe inhumans. that. You think the Terrigen's going to be? Oh no! I just say we got to get Miss Marvel somehow, and it would not be crazy if something that happened in this show happened um, that released both Kamala and they make Taurus a uh, a. Uh, you think it'll an happen? Inhuman. You think they're like the Flake Smashers are going to detonate a Terrigen bomb? I'm not saying I'm thinking. I'm just saying it's a possibility. That's all. You're saying you've heard, and it's a scoop, and we just got done railing against scoopers. So now we're going to have to hope that hope that happens. I mean, sure, I'm, I'm not against it, I guess. Uh, over on the website, Preto, uh, this is back for our WandaVision finale. I've hung enough around comic stores to know that just because this Darkhold has a variant cover doesn't mean the inside isn't the same as the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Runaways version. <laughs> Agatha just connected with paying extra for the collector's edition with the die cut and boss cover and fiery red mist. That is very funny. Uh, we're pretty sure this is a different dark hole though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I- I'll just say for the sake of your heart, if you are listening to this and you really want them to be the same one, I- just let it go. They're, they're not. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, but you know what? Keep on believing. Uh, I-, I-, I say the opposite. I say, keep on believing. Um, you know, but it's a variant cover, second print, you know, yeah. Uh, Love Waffle was, uh, we're talking a little bit about Wanda's consequences and, uh, Love Waffle mentioned that the main issue a lot of people are having the show isn't that Wanda didn't face, uh, consequences. It was that the show seemed to suggest she shouldn't face any and that Monica is sort of the moral center of the show, sort of lets her off the hook. Uh, if you guys want to hear more about that, I talked with uh, Overthinking Media and the Cinema Joe's guys. I'm, he is so active, I don't even remember exactly which of the podcasts I was on, but I think it's TV Pop. You can find on my Twitter. Um, but uh, we talked uh, at length about WandaVision, the finale, so if you guys want more on that, you should definitely check that podcast out. Um. And then Little Bingo is responding a little bit with how Monica really understood Wanda because of their common experience of grief. Um, Dave said his interpretation is that Wanda condemned Agatha living a reality that she was just about to dissolve. And so he thinks she did this so that Agatha would have a taste for her own grief. 
Uh, that's interesting. Uh, and he thinks Agatha will be back in Phase Four to be more of like an anti-hero, and I'm I'm on board with that. Uh, so that is the website. Let me just check Twitter real quick. I just retweeted the link with your podcast with the Overthinking Media guys. Um, oh yeah, I just I just saw that. That's right. Yep, absolutely. And then over on our, we've had lots of conversation. We we're talking some uh, back and forth with Shelby last night. That was nice. Always good to talk <laughs> with her. Not seeing anything too much. So yeah, and Pop Break was the name of that podcast that I was on. Pop Break TV. And I think that's all I'm seeing on Twitter right now. Yeah, I mean, I listened to all of your thoughts last week. Um, yeah, since I wasn't on the podcast. Or the last podcast. Um, yeah, if they pop Matt Murdock or Charlie Cox in there and they make him <laughs> somebody that's not Matt Murdock, uh, uh, there will be riots. There will be riots. For sure. There will be riots. Absolutely. Um, but I don't think it'll happen. I don't think that's the case. No, I don't. Yeah, you can put us in the books as confident that we think that we'll see Matt Murdock in the MCU. Confident that if Charlie Cox shows up on screen, it will be as Matt Murdock. Maybe. Or Mike Murdock. Or Mike, Mike <laughs> Murdock, yeah. Or both. I mean, you know. Oh. Um, maybe. Adam's throwing in a maybe there. Like, come on, Adam. Uh, no, I I want to keep the faith so much, but I don't know why. Mm, I know, mm, I know. I'm scared maybe. to hope, scared mm. to dream. I would really maybe. like some set photos. So if anybody in the paparazzi is listening, please get me some paparazzi shots that just put this all to rest. Get her pictures of the daredevil. <laughs> yes. All right, cool. Well, thanks for listening to the show, guys. Uh, we really appreciate you following us. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk is the way to do that. We'd love for you to be uh, involved in that way. It helps us do the show. We do uh, live streams on Saturday mornings, as Michael's been part of today. Uh, we'll also put a copy of this video onto the Patreon, sometimes Saturday night. Podcast, as you guys know, usually hits on Sunday evening. Uh, I don't firmly commit to any of those things, though, depending on what's going on in my life. Uh, but yeah, it's our, our usual pattern. Uh, thanks to Tim V. Cox for our logo. He's at Tim V. Cox uh, on Instagram. You can find our theme music composer, Alvin, at The Skull School on a variety of social media platforms. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week to talk Falcon and Winter Soldier Episode 2.